to see you in the house of God. Man, what a joy. It's just, it's just been so good to be in the presence of the Lord all morning this morning. First service was just incredible, and I feel that same remnant. The, my mama, my mama would make a roast almost every Sunday morning. Now, by make a roast, I mean she would take a slab of meat, throw it in a crock pot, dump French onion, Campbell's French onions. I'm not talking about the generic stuff. I'm talking about Campbell's. You know, mm-mm good, right? Like two or three of those French onion soup she would pour on top of that thing, and she'd start early in the morning let it cook. Well, it would get baked into our clothes. So we would go to church, and friends would walk by and go, you having roast today, huh? Because we carried the aroma of what my mom was cooking. And I'm so glad that I feel, I smell the aroma of what happened in the first service. I smell the aroma that's even lingering in here today, and I'm thankful. It's going to be a good one. Tell your neighbor, say, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. I got a testimony. Um, on, I believe it was on Friday. I got a text message from one of our online members. And she sent me a text, and she said, uh, PG, I just wanted you to know that for 12 years, I have been suffering with an autoimmune disease for 12 years. And during the Sunday of the healing and deliverance, Sunday where you brought the elders of the church, she said, I I couldn't be there, but I was watching online and asked the Lord to heal me in that moment. Got back from a doctor's report this week. I am completely free from autoimmune cannot find an autoimmune disease anywhere in her body to God be the glory well I think we can thank God a little bit better than that come on now he still heals he still delivers and I'm thankful I'm thankful for that almost every almost every day I get a testimony of God's faithfulness people sending me pictures of checks that showed up in their mail rebates that came in they didn't even know they applied for And I just thank God that he has laid up the wealth of the wicked for the righteous. Amen. So we're just operating and functioning in good stewardship. Can we we say these stewardship decrees? I know we've been standing for a minute. So stand in the spirit. You don't have to stand physically. You ready? Come on. As we stand in faithful stewardship of all you have given, we decree by faith jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales, and commissions, favorable settlements, estates, properties, and inheritances, strategic investments, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, scholarships and grants, gifts and surprises, finding money, debts paid or canceled, expenses are decreasing, and blessings are increasing. Thank you, Lord, for supplying all of my financial needs that I may have more than enough to sow into the kingdom of God and be an example of what the favor of good looks like to those I encounter in Jesus' name. Somebody put an amen on that right there. Amen. Amen. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Exodus. Exodus 25, that's at the very front. Genesis and then Exodus. 25 is just after 24 and just before 26. I, I want to, I, I got to very little of this in the first service and, and just prepare your hearts. I'm going to preach it all in this one. I'm, I'm teasing. Uh, we're just going to flow in whatever the Holy Spirit says in this one, is, this service as well. I want to preach to you as we continue this tabernacle. Next Sunday, we begin to deal with the pieces of furniture in the tabernacle. But I need you to understand, I feel like God needs us to understand where it comes from, how it showed up. I've subtitled this message this morning, By Design or Default. By Design or Default. I want you to understand this morning that God is very intentional. He is very intentional. He is not a haphazard God. He is not a God that just kind of thumbs it and goes, oh, that might be good enough. He is a very specific, he is a very intentional God. All throughout scriptures, you will see him create and design. He is a creator. And everything that he creates has a design. It has a purpose. It has a pattern to it. 
God is not haphazard in anything. From Genesis to Revelation, hear me, he doesn't waste words. If you got into the book of Chronicles, Chronicles will absolutely help you go to sleep if you try to read through it. Where this person begat that person that begat that person. There was a whole lot of begatting in Chronicles. You understand what I'm saying? But every word has an intentionality behind it. He doesn't waste words. What God is trying to build, he has a preferred pattern for it. Watch this. I had a mentor of mine early, early, early on in, in, my, in my ministry. He would make this statement all the time as it related to marriage. He made this statement. He said, you cannot drift into a good marriage. You cannot drift into a good marriage. If you're going to have a good marriage, it has to be intentional. Because God is intentional. You can't just drift and coast and have a good relationship. You can't just drift. and If God is building it, it is by design. So if you want to see the rewards of having God's design, you have to be intentional with making sure you're creating what he specified it to be. So if you want a good marriage, you have to build the marriage God designed. It's quiet in this Holy Ghostville church. If you want to build the kids that God has designed, you have to build it according to his pattern. What he has decreed. If you're going to operate individually in the life of, of, of prosperity and fullness in the things of God, not just in finances, then you have to build your life according to the design of what he's created. And it doesn't happen haphazardly. This is not a haphazard invitation that God is inviting you and me into. Although he is inviting us. Exodus chapter 25 verse 8. He says, let them make me a sanctuary. That I may dwell among them. The reason I want them to build a place. Is because I want to dwell among them. I'm not trying to get them to build a place for them. I'm trying to get them to build a place that I can come to and be comfortable in, that I can draw them into communion with me. Let them make me a sanctuary, verse 9, according to all that I show you, that is, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnaces, just so you shall make it. In other words, God is saying, if you want me to come to where you are, it has to be on my terms. We don't get to say, God, come down to our chaos and expect him to live in it. God is saying, if you want me, you have to make sure you create space for me, not on your terms or preferences, but on mine. I don't think it's by chance that God has us in this particular series, building the tabernacle, understanding the tabernacle, at the very moment that any week now I could walk in with the permits for us to begin to build the new sanctuary. Now you could call that strategic planning on my part, manipulation, whatever you want to. We've been trying to build this building for three years. For three years I've been fighting the city. For three years. Been fighting things. But I believe that the reason why God has allowed the delay is because he's setting us up to make sure that the building we build is according to his design, not ours. So hear me, delay is not denial. Okay? So he builds, he wants to invite, he's inviting you and me. He says, let them make me a sanctuary. In other words, you have an opportunity here to allow me to come down into your situation and live with you. But I'm not just going to live in anything. You've got to make me a sanctuary according to the pattern that I've desired, not what you think I deserve. I've got seven principles, seven points that you'll see all throughout Scripture in this particular, these chapters. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to delve in all of them, but I am going to deal with a couple of them because I think it's important for us today. No, number one, designed by design, not default. Watch this. He designed it to be built by free will offerings. Oh, there's the money play. Yep. 
There's the money play. Not from me, from God. He designed it to be built, look at the text, by free will offerings. Here it is in Exodus chapter 25. We just read 8 and 9. Now let's read 2 through 7. Speak to the children of Israel from, from them that they may bring me an offering. Here it is. From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart. In other words, my giving shows where my heart is. And if you're giving out of duty, that's not what I'm looking for. But I want you to give it freely out of a willing heart. You shall take my offering. Watch this. And this is the offering which you shall take. Oh, goodness. This is a mess up, church. If they're going to give it to me as a free will offering... Now, here's the parameters. Well, if it's a free will offering, I'll, God ought to receive whatever I want to give. He doesn't just take everything. Just because you decided to be generous with junk doesn't mean he accepts it. Okay, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Are you all right? It's about to be over. Y'all calm down. And this is the offering which you shall take from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread. This one, this one really hit me many years ago. Fine linen. Don't just bring me linen. Bring me fine linen. And goat's hair, ram skins dyed red, badger skins and acacia wood, oil for the light and spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. God is saying, I want you to give freely from your heart, but this is what I am asking for. You don't just get to bring me anything and I take it. I receive it. Many of you don't, probably don't know this. There's so many people that's come new to the church. Em and I, we were youth pastors for 15 years. We were 15-year veterans at one church for 15 years as a youth pastor. We took a youth ministry from about um, 30 kids to over 350 when we left. And it was just an awesome, awesome place, awesome season. One of the things that was most hilarious to me is people would come and bring stuff to the church. And most of the time, what they would bring to the church is what they couldn't sell in the yard sale. Oh, it got quiet in here. Or I just, oh, I just plowed right through somebody. Your kids didn't want that ball from Carowinds. Well, let's just give it to the church. Oh, it is quiet in this Holy Ghost filled church. Well, Pastor, you should be happy. We gave it to the church. See, that's the problem. You didn't give it to the Lord. And because you didn't give it to the Lord, well, you don't understand. I, I, my son got a new basketball for Christmas, so we thought we would take the old basketball and give it to the youth department. See, that's the problem. You gave to the youth department. And that's called charity, not offering. Ooh, if you can see some of your faces. So we treat the house where God dwells like it's a charity. Not a place where he dwells and we want to dwell with him. This was about 20 years ago. It, it was, this became so alive to me, the word fine linen, the term fine linen became so evident. It's about 20 years ago now. We were youth pastoring and there was this one particular family that was lived literally on the street. Somebody bought me a shirt. And they gave it to me today. You know what it says? It says, be careful, you may end up in one of my sermons. <clears throat> I'm going to start wearing that every Sunday as a disclaimer. <laughs> you may end up in one of my sermons. Yeah. Ain't that right, son? Ain't that right, <laughs> Ain't that right honey? <laughs> end up in one of my sermons. Listen, it's about 20 years ago, and, <clears throat> and they just purchased themselves for their house, a new baby grand piano. It's awesome. 
So they come to the church and they say, hey, hey, PG, um, we have an old upright. And in order for us to have the baby grand piano in our house, we got to get rid of this upright and we want to give it to the youth department. Well, this ain't no saloon. I mean, what are we doing? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And I remember, I remember this, this scripture, fine linen. See, you gave it to the youth department. Because the youth department is broke. So they'll take anything. And, and the return for your offering is a tax write-off. But if you were giving to the Lord, not the youth department, you probably would not have given the upright, you probably would have given the baby grand. Because it's fine linen. Okay, I feel you. Man, I, you ought to just feel the ick going on in this room. Well, that's just so selfish. No, no, no. God is saying, I will receive an offering from you, but here are the terms. And most of us give to the church, and that's why we don't see the blessing. We give to the preacher or the, to the department in need. We don't give to the Lord. And if we had an understanding that we're giving to the Lord, we probably wouldn't hand him our junk. We'd probably buy him a new basketball and make our kids play with the old one. Okay. Because watch this. There is a standard for God even in a free will offering. Point number one. Designed to be given as a free will offering. Point number two, it's designed to be built by stirred people. By stirred people. This is why I can't go to a non-stirred church. When you can immediately see who's doing what and who's paying what and who's giving what and who's working what. It's a non-stirred environment. Exodus chapter 35, listen to verse 21 to 26. Then everyone came, look at this, whose heart was stirred. And everyone whose spirit was willing. And they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting. For all its service and for the holy garments. Look at this, verse 26. And all the women whose hearts stirred with wisdom spun yarn and with goat's hair. Here's what he's saying. He's saying that it's the people whose hearts are stirred. That's the ones that are putting forth the effort. I don't want just your money. I want your heart to be stirred about what you're doing. I want you to be fully inflamed, engulfed in passion with what it is that we're doing. Listen, we had an incredible wedding this weekend, and it was out of town, about a three-and-a-half-hour job. The wedding started at like 5.30 in the afternoon. I got a three-and-a-half-hour job. I got home at midnight last night. And let me just say, don't invite me to another wedding out of town less than an hour away that starts after 2 p.m. on a Saturday. Don't invite me to another wedding. And you sit there and look at me and go, Pastor, I can't wait to wobble, baby, wobble, baby, wobble, baby. I ain't got no time for wobbling. I'm going to be standing, y'all, so Lord have me. I'm going to be standing up at the 1130 service going, wobble, baby, wobble, baby, wobble, baby. <laughs> hey, big boy, won't you back it up? Okay, that's what I'm going to be doing at the 1130. That's going to show up on social media. Jesus, <clears throat> don't invite me to another wedding after 2 p.m. I'm too fat and I'm too tired for all that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Come rolling in the house at midnight, my day starts at 540. Hallelujah. I said it in the first service, I'll say it in this one. And if you do have a wedding out of town after 2 p.m. on a Saturday that I have to come to, I hope your cake is sour. I wouldn't speak diarrhea over you on your wedding night. But I hope your stomach hurts. Aggravating heavens. <clears throat> so I come rolling in here at 6 o'clock this morning. And my body is tired. But there's fire in my belly about the word of the Lord for you today. What good is it to come here and I got to preach it but I don't have it stirring in me. 
It's not fire in me. It's not awakening. It's bigger than even my physical um, uh, opportunities and my desire and my weaknesses or whatever it is that's going on in me. It's stirred on the inside of me. If it's not fire shut up in my bones, how will it ever ignite you? God loves a cheerful giver. He loves someone that says, man, we don't have to come to God, we get to. We don't have to give our tithes, we get to. We don't have to give our offerings, we get to. We don't have to give our baby grand, we get to. Because it is stirred in the hearts of those who are his. This word stirred is actually a culinary term is what God is using in the book of Exodus. It's a culinary term. It's for the purpose of stirring. Can I mess with this just for a minute? It's a culinary term. Because watch this. Until it's stirred, you can see its individuality. Until it's stirred, you can see who's doing what where. But when it gets stirred, you don't know who's going to get the credit. When it gets mixed together, when it's stirred, you don't know who gave that much and who gave that much. Because we got stirred in the room together, you don't know who was doing this or who was doing that. All we know is our hearts were stirred together and we're all getting the opportunity to walk in the fullness of God. So whether you gave the most or you gave the least, we all gave and we gave because our hearts were stirred together and God is doing significant things. And nobody gets individual credit. See, that's the problem. And some of you came from churches like that. And maybe you're here today and you still need the credit. If you need the credit, this is a stirred house. Oh, God, have mercy. If you need the microphone and you need the spotlight, this is a stirred house. There's nobody here more important than anybody else. The one in the parking lot waving you in is just as important as the one standing with the word of God. We're all serving and all of our hearts are stirred together. Together. Culinary term. So it's the mixing together. So that you cannot see who's who or what's what because it's blended. But number two, when it's stirred, a fragrance is released. This is why you see, okay, I'm not a drinker, okay, I'm not a drinker or whatever, but that's why you'll see most, okay, some of y'all, happy Cinco de Mayo, okay, all right, I helped you, whatever y'all do, okay, I don't even know if that was right, but okay, okay, Why? Because what it releases an aroma. Because watch this, individually you may stink. But when we're stirred, a brownie, okay, here's fat boy illustration, you ready? A brownie, you've got the powder, you've got the sugar, the powdered sugar, you've got the oil, you've got the egg, you've got the water. Individually, you can see all the compartments. You catch a whiff of it when you open the bag of the powder, the mix. Water has no smell. Oil, maybe. The egg, you know, some of my buff guys, you probably would have that raw by itself. But when you mix it together, I'm about to close the service. You understand? I mean, good Lord. My, my kids, after, after M got finished mixing, and you notice I said M. After M got finished doing all the mixing, I was the taste tester. My kids would grab the, um, the little dials from inside of the mixer. Wear that joker out. They didn't do it when you opened the bag. They didn't do it when you cracked the egg. But there was a drawing that took place when it got stirred. And even before it got baked in to position, you still wanted to be around it and a part of it. You still wanted to taste and see how good it was simply because there was a fragrance that was released in the stirring. In the stirring. 
Okay. Let me, I'm going to skip. Yeah, I didn't do this one in the first service, so I'm going to do this one. Go to number four for me, Nick. It was designed to be built by free-hearted people. It was a free will offering given by stirred people. But it was also designed to be built by a free-hearted people. Exodus chapter 36, verse 3. And they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making the sanctuary. They were free-hearted. In other words, whatever God wanted to do, man, they knew we're not going to make it out of this wilderness without God being here. We just got delivered out of captivity, out of bondage, and now we're rolling through the wilderness. We don't know how long we're going to be here, but we know however long we're going to be here, that's how long we need Jesus here. And they gave an offering. Look at this. And so they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. So for the next 24 days, we're going every morning. I'm just kidding. Calm down. They continued bringing to him a free will offering every single morning. Look at verse 5. And they spoke to Moses saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord has commanded us to do. They were so free hearted that they had too much offering. Many of us won't give unless we're manipulated. We're manipulated. Compulsion. Let me traipse a starving child onto the stage and make you feel bad to get you to be obedient. Let me have a four-minute mini-sermon on why you should give. So that maybe you'll be obedient. They had so much giving that the leaders are going, I don't know what to do with all this. Oh, granted Jesus. Granted, <laughs> granted Jesus. Look at this, verse 6. So Moses gave a commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the entire camp. Let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. He says, I need you to tell everybody, stop giving. And the people were restrained from bringing, for the material they had was sufficient for all the work to be done. Look at the text. Indeed, too much. Their hearts were so free. They're like, oh, God needs it? It's already his anyway. Here. This is what God needs? Here. Here. How much more you want? How much? Calm down. How much more you want? How much more you want? How much more you want? Calm down. It was too much. That's how free they were. Here's what, I didn't preach this in, in the first service. I feel prompt the Holy Spirit in this one. In the book of, the chapters 35 and 36 of the book of Exodus, the word heart and hearted is used 12 times. Because hear me, your obedience in giving to God by design in your marriage with your children. I'm not just talking about money at a church. In your marriage, with your children, with your business, with your health. It is less about an act and more about a heart posture. It was given by free-hearted people. Here's what the Holy Spirit said to me this morning. If we're not free-hearted, we must be heart-bound. And if we're heart-bound, to who or to what? If God has designed me to do something according to his pattern, and I resist him, why? To who or to what is my heart bound to? For where your treasure is, there your 
will be also. Look at what it says. It does not say where your heart is, there your treasure will be. It says where I put my treasure is where my heart is going to show up. So I'm, here's, here's an old school term. You ready? So your checkbook reveals to me where your heart's headed. Your bank statement is an indicator of where your heart is already landed or is on the way to. Okay. Let me, let me run to the end. I just, ooh, you should feel the tension in the room. Verse 7. Let me chapter, uh, point number 7, Nick. It was designed, it was built according to the divine pattern. Antoine, come on. According to the divine pattern. Hebrews chapter 8, verse number 5 tells us, the writer of Hebrews is telling us that the reason it happened was because God gave the pattern to Moses on the mountain. He is validating Exodus 25, verse 40, where God gives Moses the specific design of how to build the place where God wanted to dwell. Listen, if you want God to dwell in your relationship, it has to be built by design. If you want God to dwell in your body, it has to be built by design. If you want God to dwell in your business, it has to be built by design. If you want God to dwell in your family unit, it has to be built by design. It, in chapters 39 and 40 of the book of Exodus, and you can count this if you want to, 17 times you will find this term, as the Lord commanded. 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 As the Lord commanded, 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 as the Lord commanded. Seventeen times in two chapters, you will find the term as the Lord commanded. Because it has to be built by his design. I believe the, right, the reason the writer took the time to make it understood 17 times as the Lord commanded is for one reason. Because every place he said as the Lord commanded, he could not put as I preferred. As I decided. As what made sense to me. As what I was willing to do. In Exodus 39, verse number 32, Moses completes the building of the tabernacle. And he built it by design as the Lord commanded. The question is, how can we be sure that it was built to design? Because watch this. His glory will fill what he designs. If you'll build it according to as the Lord commanded by design, his glory will fill, will fill what's been built according to his pattern. If your marriage will be built by his design, stood in front of that young couple, early 20s, that boy looked like a dog looking at a steak. Okay, some of y'all got that. 
others of y'all just ask him on the way home. She come walking down that aisle, and he's like, <laughs> right before she walked down the aisle, I grabbed him, pulled him close to me, turned the microphone off. I said, son, hear me. Your brain is a computer. And in a minute, your bride, and I've already seen her, and she is absolutely gorgeous. You're going to turn around and you're going to see her for the very first time. Your brain is a computer. You better burn this image into your brain. And he looked at me like, you just got real serious. I'm like, yeah. Because for the next 10, 20, 30 years, there will be seasons of life that will try to make you forget and run away from this one that you're standing in front of today. When I turn you around, you better let that thing imprint into your mind. Because you had faith that she was the one that God brought. You had hope that y'all were going to be able to make it instead of just shacking up. And according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love will never fail. Boy, when you turn around, you burn that image in. She comes standing up, standing there with her dad. I spin, I picked him up, and I turned him around. <laughs> and that little young 20-year-old kid, eyes got big as silver dollars. I just believe by faith it was appropriate thoughts. And all of a sudden, his eyes started getting bloodshot. And then for a kid who has an incredible testimony of what he came from. See, it doesn't matter how you start. It always matters how you finish. It doesn't matter where you came from. It matters where you're going. Kid who's had a very tough life, who does not cry for anything, looked at his bride. Little hot tears started trickling down his face. And I grabbed him in one of the moments of this unity candle, or the sand, it was that particular thing. And I prayed that he would love her the way Christ loves the church by design. And that she would honor you and respect you the way the church does Jesus by design. If they'll build their marriage by design, he will fill it. If you'll build according to the pattern, his glory will fill what has been built by design. Exodus chapter 40, here it is. And then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. What a powerful thing to build a place for God to dwell, and his glory is so thick in that place that you can't even get in. Because God will fill what has been built by design. Pastor, I don't know if I agree with that. Ah, and in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. Here it is. And the train of his robe, it filled the temple. God will fill what has been built by design for him. Look at verse 36 of Exodus. And when the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. Here's what he's saying, and I'm done. He's saying that we didn't move until the glory was done. I'm not going anywhere as long as the glory is here. 
I can't move, I can't shift, I can't go anywhere, I can't do anything. As long as the glory of the Lord is in the room, I don't want to go anywhere else. Y'all, this is the greatest challenge of having three services on Sunday. I live in this constant tension of how do I minister inside the glory of the Lord to one congregation, knowing that another one is waiting out in the foyer, knowing that another one is waiting out in the hallway. Let me tell you what I've decided, that if you don't come back as long as the glory's here, I ain't going nowhere. That if we don't hit our time crunches where we need to hit them, as long as the glory is here, I'm not going anywhere. I don't want to miss what it is that God's doing. And this set me free last Sunday. It set me free because what's happening is God did not build the tabernacle for all two million people to fit in. So while one, per, one group of people was going in, there was another one that was waiting their turn. And as they began to exit, they were exiting with the praise and the ones that were coming in would feel the residue of one praise and create expectation and the stirring of their hearts to know that God's gonna enter in and his glory's gonna be here for me as well. As a matter of fact, at the end, the 8.30 service today, they lifted up a praise knowing that it was set in the atmosphere for you to be able to walk in. The reason why we know that he picked us up and turned us around is because the people that came before you felt the glory of the Lord and said, Lord, stay here for the next group that's on the way. It's on the way. It's on the way. I don't know how you feel this morning but I came for the glory of the Lord. And I don't wanna go nowhere unless he's ready to move somewhere else. Will you just open up your hands and speak worship to the king? Why don't we stand with me all over the room? Let's honor him all over this house right here. God, fill this space. Let the train of your robe fill this space right here. Every unoccupied space in this room, Lord, let the victory of your train fill it in Jesus' name. Come on, speak worship all over this room. Honor to the king all over this room. Honor to the king all over this room. All over this room, we're worshiping. Come on, just speak worship. Just speak worship. Just speak worship. If he's worthy, if he's worthy, speak worship. Ah, oh, we're hungry for your glory, God. As the deer panted for the water, so our soul longs for you. We long for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. We hunger, we thirst for your righteousness, oh God. Oh God, Take not thy spirit, thy presence from us. Ah, oh, we worship you. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Just for a few more seconds. Just for a few more seconds. Honor him. Honor him, honor him. He designed you for worship. Huh? He designed you for praise. He designed you for worship. He designed you for praise. You were not designed for depression. You were not designed for anxiety. You were not designed for fear. You were not designed for failure. You were not designed for addiction. You were not designed for bondage. You were not designed for isolation. You were not designed for loneliness. You were designed for His glory. For His glory, for His glory. Oh, somebody worship the Lord. Somebody worship the Lord. Oh, somebody worship the Lord. If you don't know what to say, just say, I love you, Jesus. <laughs> I worship and adore you. I just want to tell you, Lord, I love you. I love you more than anything, than anything, than anything. Oh, oh somebody lift that up right there. I love you, Jesus. I worship and 
tell you, Lord. If you love him, if you love him, if you love him, love him. I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. Just wanna tell you, Lord, I love you more than anything. Inhabit the praises of your people today, God. Slip up those hands to the king. You are Alpha. Say, You are Alpha and Omega. We Let's tell him who he is just one more time. We tell him, you're Alpha, you're Alpha. You are Alpha. Oh, lift your voices. And
is worthy to be praised. For the next 15 seconds, give him all the praise you can give him. Give him all the praise you can give him. Give him all the praise you can give him. design you were designed for worship Ooh, I felt that you were designed to conquer you, that's a word for somebody in this room you were designed to conquer victory is in your divine DNA you were designed to be the head and not the tail Designed to be above only and not beneath. You were designed to be blessed in your uprising and your downsetting. But most of all, you were designed for His pleasure. Anybody grateful to be His? One, two, three, tell it all over the world. Listen, before we leave this morning, before we leave this morning, I just want to do one thing. Chuck and Tanya, come stand right here. Today, by design, you will find this in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3 and the book of Titus chapter 1, I believe it is. Today, we're going to anoint and set forth our next elders at the church. The rest of my elders, come on. Give me my oil. <clears throat> Listen, we're going to pray and we're going to set Chuck and Tanya forth into this role. I just want you to understand, we don't, we don't do this lightly. We have watched Chuck and Tanya Bowman for years. We watched them for years. The, the pipeline at Judah Church, if you've gone through our growth track, you know this. From sitting to serving, from serving to leading, from leading to ministers, ministers to elders. And for years, we've watched them work through the pipeline. We've been watching them. Watch them, we watched their family. It was easier to watch the girls because they're prettier than CJ. <laughs> but he's got better hair than everybody in the, f oh, you just turned my, you just, you just that's, that's, check, check, check. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. My God, my God. Son, I'm not saying you're going to hell for that. But I'm saying there's a lot of people in hell just like you. Don't let the devil use you back there. But you didn't let me finish. I said, but you got ha better hair than everybody in the family. <laughs> See, you miss your blessing. <laughs> you miss your blessing. I was going to buy you a steak dinner for lunch, but you miss your blessing. <laughs> There's sour wedding cake in your future, buddy. <laughs> and your mom... Hey. And your mama says she don't care what the cake is, just find the woman. Lord, let me hurry up. Let me hurry up. <laughs> Teach, I promise we're going to be spiritual. We're going to be spiritual. <clears throat> for, for years, we've watched the Bowmans. And they've worked through the pipeline. 
And nine months ago, we started the, the vetting process, and we walked through 1 Timothy chapter 3, biblical qualifications for an elder, the book of Titus chapter 1, biblical qualifications for an elder. I don't take it lightly. It's by design. It's by design. We sat down with them last two weeks ago, I believe it was, at dinner and said, is this, is this the weight you want to carry? Because it's easy to attend. But it's a whole other thing when you're now responsible. Too much is given. And when tears in their eyes, they're like, this is what God has assigned us to. And with great joy in our heart, we thank God for the mantle that weighs on them. One of the qualifications, there are many in 1 Timothy chapter 3, the book of Titus chapter 1. But one of them is that you have to be able to rule your own household. Because if you can't take care of the family that you birthed, how can you be qualified for the ones that are birthed in the Spirit? So Tanya, I need you to handle CJ. <laughs> This is not glamorous. Y'all don't know this. There's not one person that sits up here that gets paid in the role of an elder. Every Sunday morning at 5.30, these people assemble into this room, get on their face before God and plead for divine turnarounds to happen in people's lives. The atmosphere that we felt in this room today is because at 5.30 this morning, they were paving the way for it. They don't come here. Watch this. They don't come here and get a Sunday off. Not only a Sunday, they don't get a service off. This is a weight. This is a responsibility. This is not sexy. It's a weight. And for years, we've watched them. And for months, we've vetted them, and they've vetted this role. Because I'm going to let you in on a secret in 2023. You no longer have to guard for wolves in sheep's clothing. Wolves now dress like shepherds. They now dress like shepherds. It's a money play. It's a game. They've carried the weight of a spiritual overseer of this house. Talent, ability, willingness, Consistency, those do not qualify to be an overseer, a spiritual elder over a ministry. What qualifies is the anointing. So today, stretch your hands in this direction. Elders, if you'll just lay your hands on them. By the anointing of oil, we lay our hands today and we say, God, anoint them for this role. That everything they guard at your house you will put angels to guard at their house. That as they minister to the people of God, God, you would not get their children to. Father, I pray for your divine anointing to sit over your son and your daughter and their family to be spiritual examples uh, and not religious ones that they may walk worthy of the call in which you have placed on their lives. We call it done. We thank you for it. We praise you in Jesus' name. Somebody give God praise. Amen. <laughs> two, things and then we're at, two things and then we're out of here. You ready? Number one. I want to bless you with Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 11. And then number two, I want at the end of it for you to leave a praise that is a residue for the ones that are waiting in the foyer. All right? Deuteronomy, open your hands like you're about to receive a gift. In the, Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 11, I say may the Lord, the God of your fathers, may he increase you a thousand times more than what you are, and may he fulfill every promise that he has given you. In the name of the Father, in the freedom of the Son, and the dunamis power of the Spirit of God, we ask these things, and all of God's children said amen. Come on, lift up a praise.